Today, um, we're going to turn our attention in this series from truth to sex and politics. Specifically, today is about sex. Next weekend will be about politics. And I know, you know, the church talking about this might be controversial. It's a bit of a, of a lightning rod. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, do you think we shouldn't speak on it at all? And, and, and I agree. Uh, so I think, you know, this is one of those um, sermons that it's complicated because of how uh, intense uh, the, the emotions are around this topic, especially, you know, lately. Um, it gets more and more complicated. And churches usually do one or two things. You either highlight it like crazy, and that's what your church is entirely about, or you just ignore it and hope. Um, and just, we don't talk about it at all. And in reality, there needs to be, you know, the, kind of the, the radical middle of, hey, we live in this world, uh, we are Christians that are living in this society, and if we, um, for the past month, have been talking primarily just about truth, how do we know what is true, how do we know what is right, how do we know what is wrong, and that's attaching ourselves to the foundation of, of Scripture. And so I wanted to do that because our truth should be what informs our sex and our politics, not the other way around. And when... Uh, in the book of Jude, he has been talking about these uh, folks that are just leading or they were from within the church and are dividing the church over their, their own emotions, their own desires, their own wants, and their own needs. And, and then he brings up, you know, the, the issue of sexual immorality. But if we unhinge ourselves from Scripture, then we stand on uh, the foundation of our own desires of our own wants, of our own emotions, of what feels good, and whether or not, you know, you're going to be influenced or led by something. And we need to be influenced and led by the truth of God, not just our own wants and our own desires. So, let's, yeah, okay, I think, let's, let's do this, okay? Okay. <laughs> Everybody gets really tense when I talk about this. So I wanted to kind of loosen it up. It's okay. The pastor is going to talk about sex today. I will get more um, love notes this week uh, in an email or a letter than I, even when I talk about giving. People hate it when the pastor talks about sex. So you can bring it down. Um, especially then... Uh, in the environment that we live in, of just you can't talk about it, or it's very emotional, or it's very much you know kind of what drives the headlines, and so the church just backs off, or it becomes our identity. Somewhere in the middle is is, is the correct answer of well, we should talk about the truth here. But this is happening from inside the church. This isn't just a kind of an outside, oh, the, the world is kind of doing this to us. Actually, from within, we are uh, destroying ourselves. And Jude turns his attention here in chapter 1, uh, verse 17, where he says, Thus, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers 
who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire to show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. There will be scoffers to how we live. There will be those who will use this topic to divide us, and we can either feed into that or we can respond with biblical truth. So, sex was designed by God for good. And last weekend we talked about you know, perversions of the truth, just being five degrees off. And eventually if you start off at five degrees, your, your destination is going to be where you did not intend to land. And so Satan will come in and, as he often does, will imitate something and just pervert it. And then we end up in a totally different environment and atmosphere and we end up um, in, on the wrong trajectory. So Jude talked about this earlier, and he said, you know, though you already know all of this, I want to remind you. So this is where he's going through, and he's going to talk about God will judge even his own people. I want to remind you the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe, and even his angels, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. And even a city, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns, they gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Um, if you've been here at Easter Ridge or if you know me, you know, I don't avoid text, you know, like not mess, text, mess, uh, scripture. I, when scripture comes up in this manner and we say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's get into kind of the, the meat of this because this means a great deal, especially in the, the culture that we find ourselves in. But I'm not going to take the path you think. So looking at the camera, I'm not going to take the path that you think because so much of this becomes an othering when I know that this is something that all of us struggle with. This is a, a insidious sin of sexual immorality is, is because it is natural to us. It is within us. I don't have to go somewhere else. I don't have to uh, go, you know, go and look for, for money or power. It is a built-in feature of us as humans. And so Satan has worked his way in and has perverted that built-in feature. And so, you know, why was sex created? And it was created to renew a, a covenant. It was re, uh, created to be a covenant between a man and his wife, and they become one flesh, is what Genesis 2 put, puts it as. And so when we, you know, when we see that sex is pleasurable, we want to remove the covenant but have the pleasure. And so then we have a thing, you know, that it makes it much more casual, much easier or simpler, and there's just no such thing. 
This is a tough thing to talk about. It's a tough thing to deal with because in some manner, we all struggle with this. So I'm going to hop out of Jude because Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. And if you know Paul, he is not, um, he's always very blunt. And he, he goes into this, this text and takes a really deep kind of theological dive. And I, so here we go. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Let's go back a verse. Which is the one text do you think that has been highlighted more than any other uh, portion of this, 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 this verse? Where do you expect me to go? And all of us, kind of as people of faith, like that because every single other one is all of us. We love an other. We love uh, something that is easily categorized or defined or, or something you can point at. Um, show me, um, you know, just by pointing, uh, you know, your sexual immorality. We do a pretty good job of hiding it. Or our idolatry. What's, I, what's, what's idolatry? He's saying, do you not know wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, good. I, I'm not too wrong a doer. Right? Or, okay, um, or don't be deceived. Neither will the sexually immoral. Shoot. Now we have to define these things. Nor idolaters. That means you're creating something in the place of God and you worship it. Okay, who still has clean hands so far as I go through this list? Uh, nor adulterers. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have committed adultery in your heart. Who's off the train yet? Nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy. How we doing? Nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit. This is the big highlight. I want you to kind of look at this. Will inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't say will not enter the kingdom of God. Inherit means you get the benefits or the blessings of being a part of the family. If you are actively engaged in idolatry or sexual immorality, it doesn't mean you can't be in the church. It just means you're not going to be inheriting the benefits of the family. It's going to hurt you. Notice that? Okay. And that, and here's the best, here's the best part, and that is what some of you were were. Uh, I've contemplated, I get in trouble for some of my sermon titles. Um, Holy Ship was a good one. Um, That's a series I did just on boats of the Bible. Um, I really want to do a series called uh, The Best Butts of the Bible Um, because this is one of the best butts. That is what some of you were. But you were washed, 
You were sanctified. It's the process of becoming more holy. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And now here's, now he's going to go kind of deeper into this. In verse 12, he says, but I have the right to do anything. You say, yeah, you do. You absolutely have the right to do anything. But it doesn't mean it's good for you. I have the right to eat nothing but brisket every day the rest of my life, and I would be so happy. Doesn't mean it's good for me, but I have the right to. But it's not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by it. This isn't about, you know, don't do that, don't do this. This is who are you allowing, or what are you worshiping, or who are you following? He even goes into this, he says, you know, you say food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God, that will destroy them both. Those are both temporary. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us as well. Do you not know? So here's where we're going to kind of check ourselves here for a second. That your bodies are members of Christ himself. What places have you taken, Jesus? It's so much easier just to have that one line and point at people. But when we read this and we are honest with ourselves, we go, oof. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? He's saying, well, no, never. You never would do that. But where have we taken the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit resides in us? Do you not know that he who unites himself in verse 16, with a prostitute is the one, is one with her in body. There's no such thing as casual sex because it attaches our souls together. And so that's why it's so damaging because when you remove that part of you, it's going to take a rip a part of your internal soul with it. It's damaging because it said the two will become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis 2 there. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And this is the only sin in the Bible that says to do this. In verse 18, run or flee from sexual immorality. That's how big a deal. Everything else is, you know, take it to God, uh, pray. All, you know, and those are all obviously beneficial things. He, Paul is saying, run. So, what is our culture saying to do? Embrace. The word of God saying, run from sexual immorality. And our, what all of our kids get and everywhere they are is embrace it. That's going to hurt. It might take a little while for it to come out, but it's going to hurt. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that you are not your own? The, the, the bot, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price and you are valuable. How much are you worth? You are worth the Son of God. So where are we taking the Holy Spirit when we go to these places? 
And so there are consequences. There's consequences personally to this sort of behavior. Uh, a couple months ago when we, we got kind of real on talking about uh, the adult website industry, that it gathers more revenue than all four major sports leagues combined. NBA, NHL, baseball, and, and football. Combined, it beats, it beats them all. Now, that, that is just, you, you think, oh, that's just people, hey, I, I can do what, I have the right. Yeah, you do. But there are, that is not without consequences, not only to you personally, but also to that person who's on the other side of that screen, who statistically has been trafficked, and that's also somebody's daughter and son and beloved child, but I have the right. You, you do. But it doesn't make it right. This is hard. <laughs> but another best but of the Bible. But Jesus spoke on this. Our God is not silent to this. And that is what is remarkable is in in the setting of kind of being real and, and raw, you know, we have a problem. And I can say all of these things and we can cast all kinds of shame and we can leave here feeling lousier than what this week has been weather-wise and we just go home and go, well, that was uplifting. I feel terrible. But Jesus spoke on this. We've all done things. We've all lied Looked, touched, cheated. We have regrets. We all have a story. We all have things that we wouldn't want to tell our friends. So my favorite story is in the book of John. And kind of running out of time again. Hello. There's a story in uh, John chapter 8. And the teachers of the law in John chapter 8 verse 3 says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Is it up there? Not yet. Okay. Teacher, they said, This woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They're using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, even non-Christians love this story because we're going to take the totally wrong path out of it. But hey, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. I bet you could, you even know that scripture if this is your first weekend. Let he who's without sin. What that means is I can do whatever I want because you're a sinner too and you're hypocritical, so I'm going to go nuts. And you can't say anything. Cool. It's a totally wrong path to take out of the scripture, but it's fun because it keeps me from actually having a moment of inward thought. They keep questioning him. Uh, Go to verse 6 for me. Yeah. There we go. In order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, when I get to heaven, I'm demanding a meeting. And I have many questions. Um, this is probably top five. What'd you write? Nobody knows. It's fascinating to think about. 
It's where we kind of get the, we, the little bit of the term, the line in the sand. Um, he's writing something. Maybe it's the Ten Commandments. Maybe it's, you know, something is in there. Jesus bends down and starts to write. When they kept on questioning him, they straightened up. He straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Basically, he's saying, hey, if we're going to be consistent with the law of Moses here, once you're done with her, we're going to turn the attention to you. Couple questions. Where's the guy? So they're displaying a position of power and authority and they're dragging the woman out. Meanwhile, the dude's probably just in the... (laughs) Or is he one of the... (laughs) We don't know, but that's an interesting thought. And again, Jesus stoops down and he begins writing on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Why? Why? Oh, John, why did you put that in there? Why did you notice that? Because the older ones have lived some life. The older ones know their background and know I have no authority to cast a stone at her. If they knew what I have in my heart, there's nothing more dangerous. I've said this before. There's nothing more dangerous in a pulpit than a first year out of seminary graduate because they have all Bible and no life. I've hired a few of them and learned that. They have all Bible but have not lived in the real world. So the older ones back up. Then the younger ones see that the older ones backed up and they begin to walk away. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightens up and, and says to her, Woman, where, where are they? Where did they go? I mean, he knows, obviously. Have they not condemned you? Like, look me in the eyes. What, what's going on here? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I. And this is what makes the difference between the world and the church. The world stops reading here. Now here's the issue. The church is also starting to stop. We don't let Jesus finish the sentence. Because that would be too offensive Jesus says, okay, cool. Go right back into that damaging, adulterous relationship. Go right back into that. No. no. He says, leave your life of sin. Stop. How do we do that? It's a discipline. And this will only get more difficult. But we have a Savior. We have someone who has lived amongst us and understands and knows what we deal with, and he was willing to die for us, to take upon him the sin of humanity and redeem us. This is what kind of drives me nuts about when we get into this topic. It's a, hey, let's go yell at some sinners. It's so easy to make this about an other. Like, let's make this an other. Those bad people over there, we should read this text with a giant mirror and go, I am not innocent either. Now, God has a standard. We have not lived up to that standard. 
But we will not be embracing defying that standard. It's the difference between, yeah, I struggle with this, and, or, yeah, I struggle with this, but celebrate it. That's the difference. Jesus, even in the midst of this, does not celebrate her infidelity. He, se- he, he rescues her from hypocrisy, but he does not celebrate her infidelity. He says, you weren't made for this. You are not your own. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Where are we taking that spirit? What places have we dragged Jesus into where we need to look at him and say, sorry. And here's what's remarkable. Jesus says, I still died for that. Even the grossest stuff you've ever done, even the stuff that you would not tell anybody, Stuff that you are so happy the internet did not really exist when you were a teenager. Stuff that you go, ooh, dodge that bullet. That stuff. Jesus looks at you and goes, I know you did that. I still love you. He just defied. Look who he stood up for. There's Pharisees and teachers of the law are there holding stones, and they bring an adulterous woman. It would have been so easy just to say, yeah, well, Moses says... Jesus said, yeah, how about, what about you guys? Are you without sin? So all of us are in this together. But does that mean we stay there and celebrate it? We build our life on the truth of God's word. We study it and we embrace that and allow that truth to impact our view and opinion on sex and politics. Amen? Okay. My email is tom at eccduluth.com. Um, next weekend, we're not handing out voting packets or any of that stuff, okay? But I, did not, I will not take the path that you think. We're going to take the path of biblical authority and truth and real life. Because if we don't talk about this, um, man, who will? A lot of people with very bad opinions. And the church should speak truth into this culture. And it starts in here. Amen? I'm going to invite the team up as we continue to worship. Why don't you pray with me this morning? God, I just thank you for uh, your family here and their ability and understanding as we get into some difficult topics. May your grace uh, feel more alive and relevant uh, this morning as we're all kind of confronted with a sin that we all actively participate in, and it's natural, but it doesn't mean it's beneficial. And so, Lord, as we re-evaluate what standard we are living by, may we build it on your truth and your foundation. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.